Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. I'm going to a city that's set on a hill. Its ruler and maker is the Lord God above. Oh, I'm going to a city. Hello, everybody. God bless you today. This is Susan Puzio, and I want to welcome you to the Prophetic News radio broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. And we're also heard on Christian Sentinel Radio, which is also on Blog Talk Radio. And it's the network of our sister, Jackie Alnor. And we have our website, propheticnews.com. We also have our YouTube channel, Susan Puzio and Greedy Preachers TV. We're going to talk a little bit about that today, Greedy Preachers. And we have our two books that are available on Amazon. Our book, Seed Faith, Can a Man Bribe God? You would think that with all this prosperity preaching that's out there, that you would think that people could really bribe God with their offerings. That's what, that's what they teach in most of the so-called Pentecostal churches and some of the other organizations out there, they teach you that. They teach you that you can bribe God and then when you give him enough money, then he'll answer your prayers. And it's a great pyramid scheme if you could get it for the ones that are on the top of this pyramid scheme and they get so rich You just can't believe how much money is out there. And I'm going to read to you some of the uh, financial statements and of some of the ministries taking in 300 million, 400 million, 600 million. Wow. It's amazing, isn't it? How they do it. Some of them do it guess some of them, I, I can say, probably do it honestly by taking up offerings on their website or they ask for donations and they don't promise you the world if you give them money. They just ask for money to do their work. So that's okay if if that's the way we want to do it, but we don't, I don't have any PayPal buttons and I don't have any of that because I believe and I would like to see more ministries practice this kind of 
ministry is that you believe God to God is perfectly able to speak to people if he wants to speak to people. I don't have to tell them that God is speaking to them. And most of the time when you hear these preachers, they, they'll say, and the Holy Spirit just told me. I don't have to tell you what the Holy Spirit is telling you about those kind of things because we're supposed to hear God for ourselves if God uh, wants you to want you to do something to help somebody else. And And I believe that. I believe that. God is perfectly able to speak to people, and I, I don't have to speak to people about whatever it is that uh, the ministry needs or whatever I need. And I think it's a better way to practice your ministry because you don't have those temptations that uh, you see these ministers, and probably some of them start out with good intentions, and then they they uh, realize that they can have fame, they can have fortune, all the things that the devil promises people. And you, you even see this in Hollywood and in show business where uh, people sell out to the devil. And you can see some, some of these great videos that Joe Schimmel did on uh, Good Fight Ministries on YouTube. He did some great videos on some of these rock and roll singers, especially that sell out to Satan. They they sell out to the devil and they sing about the devil. They promote witchcraft and different things because the devil promises them money and he promises them fame. But you you can see how some of them wind up in the end. They wind up like Elvis Presley. He winds up dropping dead on his bathroom floor in total humiliation. And he was a mess. He was addicted to so many different kinds of drugs because he couldn't live a normal life or he thought he couldn't live a normal life. He could have lived a normal life if he would, would have stopped being Elvis the idol and just been a human being. A normal tried to act like a normal person. Of course, it was difficult for him to go out in public because of him being recognized and people idolizing him, of course, the way they did. But look at how he wound up. So it didn't matter all the money that he had in the world. And he was so messed up. He was reading some kind of a tantric on um kind of like a pornographic book when he was found in his bathroom. That's what he was reading. So there's been so many people that come out and say, well, this was a Christian and they were even promoting his gospel music. Yeah, he liked to sing gospel music, but I don't know. To me, he didn't act like he was a Christian. That's for sure. He wasn't, didn't act like a Christian. He was living with some girl was in his house, in his bedroom, while he was in the bathroom, laying dead on the floor. So, and you see Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson had so much money and so much fame. But what good did it do him? He was a mess. He he couldn't get his head screwed on straight. So you see what happens to some of these preachers when they start selling out for fame and fortune. And they've lost their first love. And they realize that they can manipulate people by promising them 
finances, which everybody needs money to live. <laughs> That's a reality in this life. And so they realize that people have needs and they take advantage of people's needs by telling them that they have to sow seed faith gifts and they have to tithe in order to get God to do things for them. And they live for the most part, most of the pastors and most of the ministers live a lavish lifestyle off of the people's pain and suffering, which that's not what the ministry is all about. So for me, I, I, would like to see things change. And I know there's other people out there that feel the same way that pastors at pastor churches, they have to do it for the right motives. They can't just do it because they figure, well, I can, uh, they're thinking to themselves, how am I going to fund this ministry? Uh, I'll have people coming here every Sunday and they'll give me 10% of their money and then I can grow my vision and their vision usually involves a bigger, bigger, and bigger church building. And it usually involves that they have to get an airplane so they can travel around and collect money from other churches who then they have to invite those pastors to their church to return the political favor. <laughs> now, I was in public ministry for many years myself in the word of faith circle. So I got to see some of the behind the scenes things that went on and it was political. It was political. It was when I was in a room one time with John Avanzini, he didn't want to talk to me. There was other people in the room, big shots from television networks and whatever. And I happened to be at a telethon at one of the networks, the local networks. And, uh, Avanzini was there with some other people. At one time, he was the big thing on the circuit because he could—he was a good fundraiser. He could—he could raise that money for these people. So they—he was always being invited to telethons. And after they had a little get together, and I said hello to him. He said hello, but then he he ran away from me. <laughs> you know, he didn't want to talk to me, so he was he wanted to go talk to the station president and whoever whoever else was there. But that's not the only person that that happened with when uh, I've been I've been uh, in rooms or in meetings with other people that were famous, I, I guess you could say famous. And then you could, when I said hello to Mike Murdoch one time, we were in a small meeting room and I walked in the room and he was sitting at the piano and I smiled at him and said, hello. And he gave me a dirty look. And I'm like, he looked at me like, who are you to say hello to me? Uh, I was, you know, <laughs> I was just treating him like he was just another brother in the Lord, which I thought at the time, because this was in the early 1990s, I thought at the time he was a brother in the Lord. I've come to find out, of course, he's not a brother in the Lord. But 
they get weird. Then they don't, they can't say hello to you. You can't get near them because they have bodyguards guarding them and it's messed up. So it's better to keep your ministry small and don't take advantage of people. You don't go into the ministry because you uh, want something. You go into the ministry because you want to help people. And that has to be the motive. So if you go into the ministry thinking, well, I'm going to build, I'm going to have this great ministry and I'm going to be on television and everybody's going to know me. And and so what? So what? What good did it do these famous people that had everything going for them in the natural? They had all the money in the world and they had all the fame in the world and they weren't happy. And you, you see the same thing that happens with uh, these TV preachers, they're not happy. They have to go out. They have to get drunk. They have to get on drugs. They have to go cheating on their wife. They they do all kinds of perverted things because they get their minds get messed up. When you don't serve God out of a pure heart and with the right motives, you're going to get messed up every single time. And it's better to just Stay on the straight and narrow, no matter what it costs a person to do it. You do it. You do it because you love God and you know how important it is for people to hear the truth and for people to stay strong in the Lord and for people to come to know the Lord. We want people to know Jesus because it's wonderful to know Jesus. It's Where could you get such a great life? You can't. You can't get a great life without the Lord. So anyway, looking at some of these ministries, and it's just amazing the kind of money they take in. And a lot of them, I I would love to follow them around if I had the time I would love to follow some of these people around and to see exactly what they're doing with all these hundreds of millions of dollars that they take in. Quite amazing, really, to see the kind of money that's out there. And if some of the ministries are doing it the right way, I don't have a problem with it. But when they do it, when they con people and they lie to people and they cheat people, just so that they could have a ministry, then no, that's not right. And that's what you want people to stop doing. You take this guy, T.B. Joshua, this African so-called prophet, pastor. Well, he had a million people subscribe to his YouTube channel. They, They took his YouTube channel down in April of 2021. But because he said something about homosexuality, of course, oh, you can't say those kind of things. So they say you can't quote Romans 1. And anyway, they took his YouTube channel down. But imagine he had a million followers on YouTube. So that's not, uh, that's a lot of people just to think of a million people following him from around the world. And then he had this huge church put it in quotes, church in Africa. And 
he was, people worshipped this guy. They worshipped him, but he was only 57. I don't know what he died of. They haven't released the cause of death. I don't know if they do autopsies in Nigeria. I don't know uh, if they do or not. Because they, they say he died after a service. And who knows what it was. And who knows if anybody will ever know what it is. But we're going to talk a little bit about him. Also, there was something interesting I saw when I saw a picture of Paula White with Linda McMahon. And Linda McMahon was married to Vince McMahon of the WWE, the World Wrestling Federation, I guess. I I think that's the name anyway. And I don't think they're married anymore, but she started this organization and something about American values or they're, they're trying to hold all these conferences around the country to, I guess, re- support Republican candidates. And then she's, Paula and this Linda McMahon and then this lady, Brooke Rollins, which I don't know that much about her. I know that she's involved with this group. And anyway, they had the, the story was that they had a young women's symposium and it's in Dallas, Texas. And it, it's going on from June 10th to the 13th. And there's, you can't make this stuff up. But if you go to the website, you'll see this Turning Point USA. Turning Point USA is the organization that's holding this conference. And you see the speakers here, Governor Sarah Palin, Senator Marsha Blackburn, Judge Jeanine Pirro, Kimberly Guilfoyle, Laura Trump, Tammy Lauren, Senator Cynthia Loomis, Candace Owens, Katrina Pearson, Ali Stuckey, Kat Timpf, Carrie Lake, Sissy Graham Lynch, the granddaughter of Billy. Commissioner George P. Bush, Congresswoman Mary Miller, Brooke Rollins, Morgan Zeger, Benny Johnson, Linda McMahon, and and who else is on this program? Who else? Pa- Pastor Paula White. <laughs> you can't make this up. I mean, you, what in the world would this woman have to say to young women? What kind of an example? But are these people crazy? Do they ever vet anybody that they invite to speak at these conferences first to see what kind of a background they have? What are they doing with their life? Are they, are, for instance, if you sign up for Paula White's emails and you might want to do that just so you could see what kind of email she sends you. 
where she tells people to send her $100 to get favor from God. Uh, just about, you'll get maybe five or six emails a week from her. And most of it is an appeal letter, which somebody else writes. And she's always got some kind of a gimmick where you can you can sow this money to her and you're going to get something back from God. You're going to get salvation for your children. You're going to get healing. Like, do they ever look at what this woman does for a living? Do, do they ever look at the fact that she told people to watch pornography from her pulpit? Did they ever look at the fact that she promoted Mrs. Moon, that she speaks for Mrs. Moon and says that she loves and respects Mrs. Moon? So, who are these people? These people these people are all crazy. But anyway, they're going to be going around the country doing their leadership conferences. Well, they better get some leaders. They better get some real leaders if they're going to promote leadership conference. I, I couldn't believe it when I saw this. I couldn't believe it. I said, but really, it's uh, pr- former President Trump's doing by giving this woman credibility and he didn't do his vetting either obviously so you can see it for yourself and you can see that they have quite a bit of conferences coming up in the future turning point usa and uh, they're they're probably be coming to a city near you but it would be a good idea for people to stand outside with signs and say, could you please get some people, if you want to hold leadership summits, could you please get some people that are real leaders and don't give me people that aren't leaders and that have a shady background, please, because it's like enough already. It's ridiculous. You can't make this stuff up, let me tell you. You can't make it up. <laughs> that's that's the world we're living in. And uh, God help us. But the past few days, when I look at the different things that are going on in the news, and I see these false prophets and these false teachers being promoted by people that should know better. And I think to myself, well, Here's the thing that people have to be have to watch out for because the Antichrist is going to have the false prophet and they're going to say, well, look, I'm endorsing this false prophet. The Antichrist is going to say, look, I endorse this false prophet. This is my spiritual advisor and people are going to believe it. And there isn't any reason why people shouldn't check people out. You can check people out over the Internet. And you can do a little bit of research. You might not even have to spend that much time doing doing research to find out a little bit about people's background. Go ahead. Sign up for some of these ministries uh, posts, like uh, if they have, if they'll send you their ministry emails, sign up for a couple of these ministries and see what they send you. So you'll get a little bit of an idea of what they're about and how they run their organizations, how they, how much integrity they have, because that's the most important thing. One of the most important things I'll say 
is for a ministry to have integrity. Well, if they're going to lie to you about Jesus, number one, with the way that they send out their appeal letters, why would you want anything to do with these people? So do your homework. It doesn't take that much time for anybody to do a little bit of research into what these people are all about. And then you could say, I check you off my list and I'm going to tell other people not to pay any attention to you anymore either and not to uh, send you any more donations because once the donations dry up, if people didn't give these people money, they'd have to go away. And uh, they they wouldn't be bothering people anymore. So you can't believe it, but... That's the day and age we're living in, and uh, there's enough information out there on the Internet. While we still have the Internet, who knows how long that's going to last, where we're going to have the freedom. Because you see, a little bit, little by little, they're trying to take away people's free speech, and they want you to think a certain way. Now, I think there was some kind of a bill where they, uh, they didn't want to say that mothers were giving birth. They had to change the word mother to something else because they, everything has to be gender neutral now. Oh, I don't know what we did before all this stuff happened. I, I went to school. I never had sex education. I didn't care about that. I didn't eat. What, what did I want to know? I was a kid. So now they want to give uh, children sex education at five years old. Look, leave children alone. Let them enjoy their childhood and their innocence. They don't need to be looking at those pictures, these books that they're that they have. I think one book was called is called Perfectly Normal that somebody brought brought out that uh, they're teaching children from this book with pictures, graphic pictures and other things that are too disgusting to mention. Even I'm not going to talk about it here on my program, never mind teaching these things to children. Oh, it's it's a terrible time to send your children to, to a public school. And also then you have to have critical race theory. When I grew up in the neighborhood I grew up in, we had different, all different people, different color people. I never... I never thought about it when I was five years old. I didn't know it was a person to me. It was a, <laughs> I didn't think in my head, this person's another color. So you don't even think like that when you're a kid, unless somebody tells you that you're supposed to think like that. And so now they want to teach uh, children these things about different things about race or whatever, but, I remember in my class, there was different people there. I never thought about it when I was five or six. My parents didn't didn't uh, teach us to hate anybody, and I didn't know anything. I said, poor kids today. They have to go to school, and they can't be a child. They can't be innocent. They have to be politicized. From Now they want them to go to school from the age of three, probably they're going to start wanting them to go to school when they're born, but you have to turn them over to the state to be brainwashed and to be taught. It's awful. It really is. It's really awful. God help us. He's the only one that can, right? (laughs) 
He's the only one that can. Well, there was an interesting story here. Now, some people say, well, you know, Jonah, that story about Jonah and the whale. Oh, well, that's a nice story, but it's not true. Well, of course it's true. We know it's true. But here's the story that just came out. Now, there was a man in Massachusetts, and I think this happened last week. He got he actually got swallowed by a whale. <laughs> he actually got swallowed by a whale. And he was inside the whale, and the whale didn't swallow him yet, but he was in the whale's mouth. And fortunately, the whale spit him out. Now, we've heard that story before, and then, anyway, here's the man's testimony. Lobsterman says that he was spit out by a whale off of Provincetown. Provincetown fired 35 feet down when the whale grabbed him. The whale then surfaced and let that diver, Michael Packard, go. He was then pulled back onto his boat and brought to shore. CBSN Boston was the only camera there as the diver left the hospital. No one can tell the story. I'm a lobster diver out of Provincetown, Massachusetts, and uh, I was diving today. Jumped over and I got down to about 45 feet of water and felt this huge bump and everything went dark and I could sense that I was moving. Oh my God, did I just get bit by a shark? And then I felt around and I realized there was no teeth. And I had felt really no... And then I realized, oh, my God, I'm in a whale's mouth. And I'm in a whale's mouth. And he's trying to swallow me. And I thought to myself, okay, this is it. This is finally, I'm going to die. Here's my life. I really... Suddenly, uh, he went up to the surface and just erupted and started shaking his head. And in the water... My legs were broken, but I'm all bruised up, and uh, I made it. What were you thinking when you were in the grasp of this whale, other than you know, you're going to die? It, it was happening so fast. I, my only thought was how to get out of that mouth, and I realized there was no overcoming of a beast of that size that... He was going to do with me what he wanted to do, and it was either, either he spit me out or he swallowed me, and and I didn't. And I was I was actually in his mouth probably a good 30 seconds, but I still had my regulator in my mouth. I was still breathing, and I, I was just went through my mind. It's just, oh, my God, what if he does swallow me? And here I am. I'm breathing air, and I'm going to breathe in this whale's mouth until my air runs out. Crazy stuff. You got spit out? Well, when I dive for lobsters, my mate, he follows my bubbles. And so, he was right next to me, and he saw the whale come up and throw me out. And he pulled right over, and then another boat uh, helped carry me and uh, pulled me into the boat. 
What an incredible story. So thankful that he's okay. Oh, Kess. Oh, I have never heard another story other than the story of Jonah. I have never heard anybody say that. Can you imagine this guy is going to have nightmares forever? He's inside the mouth of a whale. And he's thinking to himself, I can't get out. How am I ever going to get out of this? And one swallow, that would have been the end of him. Could you imagine? The whale spit him out. Amazing. 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 I hope that he has this come to Jesus moment after that. Wow. Another crazy story this week. Oh, my dear. You know, they're having this G7 conference there in England. And, of course, the American president's there and the French president and the lady from Germany, Merkel, and some other people are there. I can't name everybody, but Boris Johnson, the prime minister of the United Kingdom. Oh, dear. I didn't know that this guy was such a moron. I didn't know that. I'm like, where did they get this guy from? Because he made the stupidest comment. You can't believe that these people are running the world, basically. And these people are so stupid. You can't believe it. I, I couldn't believe the stupidity that came out of his mouth. But here, here's his comments. As they're sitting around a round table, like the Knights of the Round Table or something. You can see, if you go on the internet, you can see the video they're sitting around the round table these people and they're going to discuss how to make the world a better place when this guy is in la la land for sure here he is can i I begin by welcoming everybody to carbis bay and thank you all very much for coming it is genuinely wonderful to see everybody in person I can't tell you what a difference it makes. We've all been going through the most wretched uh, pandemic uh, our countries have faced for our lifetimes, uh, maybe longer, much longer. And I actually think this is a meeting that genuinely needs to happen because we need to make sure that we learn the lessons from the pandemic. We need to make sure that we don't repeat some of the errors that we doubtless made in the course of the last 18 months or so. And we need to make sure that we now allow our economies to recover. And I think that they uh, have the potential to bounce back very strongly. And there's all sorts of reasons for being optimistic. But it is vital that we don't repeat the mistake of the last great crisis, the last great economic recession in 2008, uh, when the recovery was not uniform across all parts of society. And I think what's gone wrong with this uh, pandemic, or what risks being a a lasting uh, scar, is that I think the inequalities may be entrenched. And we need to make sure that as we recover, we level up across our societies and we, we build back better. 
And I actually think that we have a huge opportunity to do that because as G7, we are united in our, our vision for a cleaner, greener world, a solution to the problems of climate change. And in those ideas, in those technologies, in which we're all addressing together, I think there, are the, there is the potential to generate many, many millions of high-wage, high-skill jobs. And I think that is what uh, the people of, the, uh, of our countries now want us to, to focus on. They want us to be sure that we're beating the pandemic together and discussing how we'll never have a repeat of what we've seen, but also that we're building back better together and, and building back greener and building back fairer and building back more equal and uh, how shall I, more, in, in, in a more gender neutral and perhaps like a more feminine way. How about that, <laughs> apart from anything else? So uh, those are some of the objectives that we have before us at, at Carbis Bay. Thank you all very, very much. I'm now going to uh, ask the, our friends from the media very, very kindly to, uh, to leave us to our deliberations. <laughs> Where did they get this guy from? Total moron. Oh, we have to do it more gender, new, gender neutral. What does that have to do with the problems of the world? What does that have to do with poverty and uh, clean water and food and housing? What does that have to do with any of that? Oh, they have to be real, build back greener in a more feminine way. How? How? How does a man build back in a feminine way? Oh, you can't believe that these are the leaders. These are the leaders of the world. And notice he uses the uh, campaign slogan, build back better. He makes sure that he injects that in to the, uh, to the picture there. Oh, they're going to create millions of high-paying jobs. And what about the, all the jobs that people are going to lose when everything has to change? What about the fact that you're going to force people to buy new cars that are very, very expensive and people are going to, going to have to put their car on a charger? And how far can you go before you have to stop someplace and charge up your car. I don't even know how long it takes. The whole thing is so stupid. What what are they supposed? To, what are people supposed to do if they use natural gas in their houses for their stoves and their heat and their clothes dryers and whatever? What are they, What are they supposed to do? They're supposed to rewire their house, change everything over, so, and uh, then you're going to have electric or solar and what are people going to do most people that are older are on fixed incomes they can't afford to be redoing all these things oh they want to create so much chaos in the world that it's unbelievable but these people are supposed to care about people they're supposed to care about what really matters to people 
is that their families, most people are independent. For the most part, people want to work. They want to go to work. They want the government out of their life. And the government keeps trying to intrude themselves into your life. And no, you want to go to work. You want to pay for your police and your fire department and your water, whatever utilities or whatever you have to get from the government. I don't want to pay for somebody else's kid to go to school. No, that I object to. I don't. I don't like that. I don't like being forced to pay for things. I don't want to pay for people's abortions and uh, all the rest of the things that they include in people's taxes. I think we should have a right to pay for what we use, but we shouldn't have to pay for other people unless we decide that we want to. You shouldn't be forced into doing the things that they want you to do. And now they want to change everything. And you notice that the uh, there was a story that came out, I think, yesterday that some of these big corporations are buying up real estate all around the country. And now Bill Gates is one of the largest, if not the largest, landowner here in this country. And he's buying up farmland and who knows what kind of Frankenstein food he's going to be producing for people to eat. And then these companies are buying up houses and they're turning them into rentals and they're making it so high, the prices are going up so high that the average person won't be able to really afford a house. And uh, they want to make this nation basically a nation of renters and they want to own all this property. And it's also driving up the cost of a house, lumber. I just saw that aluminum prices are going way up. So everything that you use to build a house has gone up because I've I've noticed even in my own county, eight months ago, the prices of a new house were a certain amount and they went up 30 or $40,000 just so people can, uh, just because the lumber and, and uh, the metal and whatever else people need, all these prices are going up and the prices of food. And and so basically it's all going to hit at one time. I think there probably will be a collapse in the future. I don't know how the economy is going to be able to sustain all this. And then they're spending money like drunken sailors over there in Washington. So it's, it's kind of an insane time we're in right now. You know, if you spend too much time looking at the news you, you could say to yourself, things are happening so fast that we can't believe how things are changing and changing so rapidly. We went through a terrible pandemic and it's not over. It's not over. I don't care how many people get vaccinated. It's not over. And there's a new variant that's come out in India it's, and now it's hitting England and it's hit some other countries pretty bad. So this thing keeps changing. This virus keeps changing. And it's going to keep changing with these variants. And then they're not going to be able to keep up with it as far as uh, I believe that there's probably some medical things that, that work. As far as my own research, I'm not telling people what to take or what to do because then they'll say, well, I took that stuff and it didn't work. Well, a, I can't tell you what to do. I can only tell you what I read and what I know. And it seems like the hydroxy 
hydroxychloroquine and the ivermectin and zinc and vitamin C and vitamin D. Some of these things have worked for people that they took it in the early stages when they got this virus. Now, I, I see people in, and from people that I know from the internet and a, a friend of mine just passed away the other day from the virus. He sent me an email and told me to pray for him and his family. Him and his wife both came down with it. And within probably less than two weeks, he was gone. So it's all very real. There's there's some other people, many people that I've seen, many of my friends from the internet have contracted this thing. And some came out of it okay. They still have some side effects, but some of them didn't really come out of it okay. And I, I think we just, we can't drop our guard. I think you still have to be careful. And um, we're in the last days. We're in the last days. And Jesus said in this world, you're going to have tribulation. I don't, I don't like it. I think it's heartbreaking when you see people that you care about, they, they catch this thing and they don't make it and they suffer. And it's awful. It's awful for the families. It's awful for their friends. So they can say whatever they want about um, the va- the vaccines. But there's some long-term side effects too, which we don't even know what's going to happen with that. And also uh, young people that have been taking this vaccine are developing heart inflammation. So it's not just that it's a conspiracy theory. They, the CDC is investigating this, these things. They know that it's been happening from the vaccination. So you, we don't know what the long-term side effects are going to be with all, and with all these millions of people that are taking this thing, what's going to happen down the road. And also the discrimination that people are going to have to go through if they don't take it. I personally am not taking any vaccine. I just try to be very, very careful about what I do and uh, who I'm exposed to and that kind of thing. So for me, that's how I'm trying to do it. And there are certain things that I would use myself if anything happened to me. But I just... Be careful. Just be careful because <laughs> this thing is real. It's deadly. It's diabolical. And who knows what's, go- what's coming down the road. But we just have to be prepared. And we have to stay strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And trust God all the way through. That's all we can do. I never thought in my lifetime I was going to see anything like what I'm seeing happening in the world and we read our bibles we read the book of revelation and we 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 used to think to ourselves well that's that's going to be in the future we never thought that we were going to go through the things we've we've been going through and the radical change in people's thinking the radical change in government policies the radical change in the churches or the so-called churches where you see a big separation 
of real Christians and then the phony Christians, the sellouts, you're seeing the lines being drawn. And so for us that love the Lord and for us that don't want to compromise our faith, we just have to stay strong. And no matter what comes our way, we say that we shall not be moved. And we're going to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to preach his gospel the way he's told us to. We're going to tell people the truth, even if we're not popular for telling people the truth. And you could see, you could see for the most part, the false prophets and the false teachers are the very popular ones. They're the ones that people flock to. They're the ones that they think they can get the answers from. If I can just get them to lay hands on me, if I can just get them to prophesy to me, I'm going to be okay. But no, you're supposed to be running to Jesus if you need something. That's the one you're supposed to flock to. No human being can can uh, heal you. No human being can deliver you. No. No human being can give you joy or peace. Yeah, we can get some laughs from babies and children. And if you look at a, a pet, you look at your pets and they're so cute, you can get a good laugh. They do silly things. So, yeah, we can get joy from other people. But ultimately, we have to get our joy from God, knowing God. And we have to get our peace from God because Jesus said he is the Prince of Peace. And we have to hang in there, come what may. We don't know what's going to happen, and I'm telling you. We, we really don't know what's going to happen in the days ahead. But let me play Romans 16 here. Let's play that. Chapter 16. I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church which is at Sincrea, that ye receive her in the Lord as becometh saints, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. For she hath been a succorer of many, and of myself also. Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Salute my well-beloved Epinetus, who is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. Greet Mary, who bestows much labor on us. Salute Andronicus and Junia, my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. Greet Amplius, my beloved in the Lord. Salute Urbane, our helper in Christ, and Stachys, my beloved. Salute Apelles, approved in Christ. Salute them which are of Aristobulus' household. Salute Herodian, my kinsman. Greet them that be of the household of Narcissus, which are in the Lord. Salute Tryphena and Tryphosa, who labor in the Lord. Salute the beloved Persis, which labored much in the Lord. Salute Rufus, chosen in the Lord, and his mother and mine. Salute Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermas, Patrobus, Hermes, and the brethren which are with them. Salute Philologus and Julia, Nereus and his sister, and Olympus and all the saints which are with them. Salute one another with an holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned, and avoid them. 
For they that are such serve not our Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. For your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. Timotheus, my workfellow, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sosipater, my kinsman, salute you. I, Tertius, who wrote this epistle, salute you in the Lord. Gaius, mine host, and of the whole church, saluteth you. Erastus, the chamberlain of the city, saluteth you, and Quartus, a brother. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now, to him that is of power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began, but now is made manifest, and by the scriptures of the prophets, according to the commandment of the everlasting God, made known to all nations for the obedience of faith, to God only wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. The end of the epistle of Paul the Apostle to the Romans. Amen to that. Amen and amen and amen. Well, it's a, it's a curious thing here, this David Cirillo, the son of Morris, and yes, he is a clone of his father, absolutely. And he, and he, David, of course, we know Morris died. And David Cirillo now is raising up his son, Ben, to be a clone of him. Now, I, I can't imagine a parent. This kind of baffles my mind because people have children. And of course, you want your children to grow up to be good citizens. You want them to grow up to be good Christians. You want them to grow up to be honest in their dealings with people. Those things are important. You think, well, you look at your child and you say, they turned out okay. That, that they're, go- they're going to be a good, decent human being. They're going to do unto others as they would have others do unto you. But no, this guy, he's training his kid up to be a con artist just like himself. You can't even believe that these kids would do it either. Like when you're young, usually when, of course, when you're a teenager, you're in your early 20s, you know everything. You know everything, and so you you might tend to be a little bit rebellious, rebellious, and you're going to do your own thing. Not these kids, no. You look at some of the children, like Kenneth Copeland's children and Jesse Duplantis and uh, Joni and Marcus Lamb, to name a few. They they follow in the footsteps of their parents, where they're being trained to take over these so-called ministries. And they're, they're, they're being trained in how to extract money from people dishonestly by miracle selling. And then they want to brag about all the things that God is doing for them when uh, they're using underhanded methods to build their kingdoms. And meanwhile, the person that's really getting the most blessings here out of the seed sowing is, is the Cirillos. And There's an interesting article here if you go to the Trinity Foundation. 
the Trinity Foundation's website. It's an investigation that was done and the story by Barry Bowen about the Cirillos. And of course, we know that Morris Cirillo bought or acquired the inspiration net, inspirational network from Jim Baker. I don't think, I don't know if it belonged to Jim Baker at the time. Anyway, he was the person that inherited that satellite network. Somehow, some way, he acquired it. I don't remember all the details right now, but Morris Cirillo acquired the Inspiration Network, and he was trying to buy the PTL grounds at one point. I was there. I happened to be visiting. I, I actually did go to Fort Mill to see the buildings, after the fall, it was, I don't know if it was a year or two after Jim Baker had gone to jail and they were long gone and Jerry Falwell was long gone. And now it was the Cirillo, Morris Cirillo was trying to buy the place and he was having a telephone there. I decided I was going to drive over there to see what was left of the buildings. A hurricane had blown through there and it blew some of the roofs off. And it was a mess really when I got there. And uh, I made my way to this building, and you see these beautiful curtains stained, water stained, and the roof was all stained. And anyway, they were in the studio, and they were doing a telethon, and they were trying to raise money for Morris Cirillo to buy this place. But he did acquire the network, which now belongs to his greedy son, David, who it, it's not a hundred percent Christian network. He plays, he, this, this is the thing. They're always raising money for their so-called ministry and their ministry operations. But his network is, he's got gun smoke and he's got different secular, the Virginian and some other, he's got a lot of these old westerns and some of these older programs, like from the 60s, even from the 50s. And it's supposed to be family entertainment, family entertainment. So I don't know what he's paying to do these programs. I know that they do commercials on this network, regular commercials, not like buy a Christian book or something like that. But anyway, he's doing these. Uh, telethons to raise money for his uh, so-called his, these camp meetings he does. He's raising money for his ministry, but playing secular programs, that's not a ministry. That's a money-making thing. But, you know, they never have enough money. No, they never have enough money. <laughs> he's, he's got these corporations and these advertising advertisers paying him for for these commercials, but well, he doesn't have enough money. But anyway, here this article came out yesterday, and David Cirillo has been paid over forty seven million dollars in the past few years. Now that's that's a good chunk of change, I would say. That is a pretty good day's work there. I wonder what he does. To earn $47 million. Now, this is not a year. This is uh, an accumulation. 
But uh, according to this article, someone said his net worth was 900000 but we know that's not true. And then they said his Cirillo's net worth is three point two million. Well, no, that can't be true either. Not if he's no. <laughs> not if he's received over forty-seven million dollars in the past years. I'm trying to look here at this article to see. In 2010, the Charlotte Observer reported with compensation exceeding one point five million a year. Cirillo is the best paid leader of any religious charity. Of course, that was in 2010. I'm sure that there, there's others that have replaced him since then. Last week, the Internal Revenue Service published Inspiration Network's 2019 Form 990. And anybody could look at these 990 forms. If you wanted to look at for other organizations, you can go to 990 Finder. And you can put in the name of the organization, and it will tell you how much money. If they do file a 990, with a lot, uh, the churches don't have to file these, so you you can't get information on some of these churches as far as what the the pastor is earning, salary and benefits. But it says that a financial disclosure document reveals total revenue, total expenses, and compensation of key employees. It shows that Cirillo received more than $3 million in 2019 in bonuses, pushing total compensation to $7 million. <laughs> Seven million in compensation for 2019. What does he do to earn $7 million a year, this guy? Oh, my word. Yes. From 2008 to 2019, David Cirillo received $41 million from Inspiration Network and related organizations. During that same period, his wife, Barbara, received almost $4 million. And his son, Benjamin, Benjamin, who's going to be running that wretched place, received Three million, almost four million, three point five, close to three point five million. Imagine that you're a kid in your early thirties and you're making almost four million dollars a year. Oh my word! Where is he going to get a gig like that, right? And then someone else that works for the ministry, a man named R. D. Zoni, the network's second highest paid executive. Received almost twelve million, eleven eleven point four million, so almost twelve million compensation. What is he doing for that organization? In twelve years, four people together received almost sixty million in compensation. Oh my dear. Wow. And if you look at this so-called ministry, I I, I look at uh, the Inspiration Network, and I'm trying to figure out what's the ministry here, because I see Gunsmoke, I see the Virginian, I see some a few Christian programs on there. I don't really see too much Cirillo ministry. When I see Cirillo, David, He's doing camp meetings, and the only thing he does on these camp meetings is he scams people. He has scam artists like Mike Murdoch. Uh, he has uh, scam artists 
he had Todd Kuntz, and we know Todd Kuntz now is in jail for his scamming. He had to go to prison. And so you say to yourself, where I want, where is this? Where's all this ministry? Like they have the camp meeting. They invite these singers, and they have might have a big choir. Okay, the music's good, so they get everybody charged up with the music, and everybody gets is oh, they're praising the Lord. Uh, and then Cirilla might come out. He might say a few words. Now, I looked at his YouTube channel for the Inspiration Network. And he he hardly gets any views when he when Cirillo comes on and he preaches a little message. He some of his views were like eighty four views, and they've been there for a couple years. So nobody's even really paying attention to David Cirillo as far as him being a preacher. Hardly anybody listens to his preaching because he's boring. Uh, one thing he does know how to do is he knows how to raise the money. Now, David Cirillo, he can raise that cash. Let me tell you, they can raise that money, and he's got every kind of a con game going. So I want to know what kind of a nonprofit organization is this? <laughs> <You know? laughs> But you can see that article if you go to, uh, and it's a very good article. It's very well-researched, Trinity Foundation, and you can see it for yourself. Of course, they travel in luxury, first-class travel on their private jets and their hotel rooms. Oh, yes. And he was building he he was building a four million dollar lakefront home, and that was in two thousand ten. The Charlotte Observer, which is a big newspaper there, reported on the fact that, that was in two thousand ten. He was building his four million dollar home. In twenty eighteen, David Cirillo sold the mansion. His primary residence is in Charlotte, and he bought another home in Southern California. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. Oh, my goodness. Yes, that seems like the the person that's really benefiting from this ministry is David Cirillo and his sidekick there, his, his, uh, the guy that's working for him, Madrazoni, whatever his name is, and Cirillo's wife and son. Yeah. From 20, uh, 2008 to 2019, Cirilla received $18 million in compensation. <laughs> oh, well, they have a church. Yeah, of course they have a church, yeah. He has different organizations called Inspirational Church Fellowship, Inspirational Holdings Incorporated, Cross Ridge Masters, Master Association, so he receives compensation from all these different organizations as well. And the key to his his uh, receiving most of his compensation is his camp meetings, which are atrocious if you uh, ever tune into the non-inspirational network, I'm going to call it. Oh. <laughs> 
Oh, dear. It's sad, let me tell you. I, I can laugh about it, but I, I, I feel very, very sad when I, when I think about these things, and I think about it often. I can't for the life of me figure out why people, good people, good Christian people that love the Lord, why they watch these people, why they obey their commands when they say, get up and go to your phone now. Get that seed in the ground. I, I don't understand it. I, I think to myself, why in the world do you put yourself in a precarious, and some of them do, some people don't have $1,000 to sell, or they don't have $10,000 to sell. They don't have it. That's why they're, they're looking for a financial miracle, because they don't have the money. They're in debt up to their eyeballs. And uh, they, want, they want God to get them out. Well, of course, God can help you get out of debt. Yes, he can help you, but he expects you to Use wisdom in how you spend your money and how you budget your money. And uh, don't give your money to these crazy preachers. But you see, you see why this man is so wealthy? It's because he takes advantage of people's pain. He knows. And the people that come on his network, they know that they're talking to desperate people. And most people are desperate in the area of finances, in the area of finances and in the area of their health. Those are the two things I would say are the biggest draws for these people. And then, of course, family problems, those things. But finances and health. But they always, that's the main target is the people telling people how to get their finances taken care of. And, of course, it always involves sending them some money. I, I, I'm astounded when I look at these things and I, and I see how these people are profiting. You can also go to a website, and I found this very interesting. I don't think we're going to have time to do the TB Joshua thing today. Oh, I probably will do it next week, and I can probably devote most of the program next week to TB Joshua, which was a very interesting character to say the least, and died relatively young at 57. But we'll talk about him next week. But if you go to Ministry Watch and you can go to, they have a page called Search for Ministry where you can compare ministries and you can see they did a quite a comprehensive study on different organizations which is amazing. This is amazing when you see the kind of money that's involved. Now, I never even heard of this organization. Advancing Native Missions Incorporated, $10 million a year. Never heard of it. Adventist Development and Relief Agency, $54 million a year. Africa Inland Mission International, $27 million a year. A glow. Women's Aglow, you don't hear about them that much anymore. Almost $3 million a year. I imagine they probably took more than that in when they were in their prime. Of course, like I said, you don't hear that much about them. Here's one. Alliance Defending Freedom, $56 million a year. Amazing facts, though. There's nothing there. American Bible Society, 
listen to this, American Bible Society, $87 million a year. <laughs> Here's Jay Seculo. Remember Jay Seculo? Jay Seculo, the attorney from the, for the American Center for Law and Justice, $21 million. $21 million. American Family Association, Don Wildman, $19 million. American Leprosy Mission, $19 million. Where does all this money come from? How do these people raise all this money? Yikes. Christian Broadcasting Network. Now, does Pat Robertson really need all these donations? There's other ministries that can use some donations. You know, listen to this. Christian Broadcasting Network, 700 Club, $638 million. What are they doing with that? How much ministry are they really providing? They have a one-hour program every day. And what are, I would love to know what they're spending all this money on. And why are people giving this money to these rich, rich, rich preachers? $638 million. It's astonishing. He, you can't Christ for all nations. Reinhard Bonnke, almost eighteen million dollars. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And I know. Uh, I think I'm trying to find um, Samaritan's Purse here. Franklin Graham. I think they took like over six hundred million dollars a year. And uh, Franklin gets a salary of over $500,000 and plus all his expenses, of course. But Paula White makes more than him and she only preaches twice a week. She's getting about a million dollars a year there in salary and compensation for preaching two sermons a week and whatever else she does as a pester. But... <laughs> this is very, very interesting. I think you'll be amazed when you see this. Here's Compassion International. I think you see their television commercials. Uh, they do very good marketing. $890 million. <laughs> oh, dear, I can't believe it. I, I think to myself, I <laughs> With all this money that these people are taking in, you think the whole world would have been evangelized right now, right? You would think so, but no. No, I I think that they lose their first love. I can imagine what most people could do, even if they had a million dollars, what they could do in ministry. Never mind. Here's Campus Crusade for Christ, almost $600 million dollars. Yep. Unbelievable. Let's see. Let's look at a couple more here. I was I was just astonished when I saw this list and how I would I would say a lot of this money is wasted when they could be doing so much good. But I think a lot of these people use the money for themselves 
for uh, their lavish lifestyles and how much of this is really going to help people. Eternal World Word Television, that's a Catholic network, almost $28 million a year. It's it's amazing. End poverty, endpoverty.org. Well, they get 627,000. Well, that's not enough money to end poverty. I think I think I think the money that Pat Robertson's taking in would help end poverty. You would think to yourself, why aren't they building housing developments? Why is there anybody hungry in this country? Why should anybody be hungry? Why should anybody be homeless? Food for the poor. Food for the poor. $948 million. So why are people hungry? Why are people hungry? Focus on the family. $90 million. Can't believe it. Feed the children. Shouldn't be one hungry child in the world. $417 million. Yeah. Family Research Council, twelve million. What what exactly do these people do? I would love to know. I, I would love to follow them around and see exactly what are you doing? Habitat for Humanity. Of course, we know. Yeah, they build houses. Two hundred and fifty-five million. John MacArthur, twenty-two million. Yeah. Gospel, let's see, Good News Productions, well, three million. Anyway, that's available if you want to look at this list. (laughs) You think, well, the whole world should have been evangelized by now, and hunger should be eradicated in the world when you have billions. And if you add up all this money, it's billions. But you hear people say, well, you have to give and most people do give to these bigger organizations. I guess it's it's just easier for them to do it. And they say, well, I'd rather just give my money to these bigger organizations. And then you, you wonder, though, what are they doing? What kind of an impact? Because you, you used to hear that in church, especially. You'd say, well, you know, you... God wants to prosper you so you could bless other people and look at all the good things that we could do there would be a lot of good things that we could do with that kind of money. There would be a lot of, a lot of good things, but you don't see a lot of the solutions that they talk, that they talk about, or they did talk about as far as if uh, they like to, they used to like to say, they still say it about the wealth transfer and God's going to transfer wealth to the church and he's going to give you the riches, the hidden riches, of darkness and uh, we're the church is going to be the prosperous one so we can help the world. Well, you can see if you go over this list and it's on ministry watch, ministrywatch.com and you see this list, well, with billions of dollars, there should have been a lot more solutions than there is, but there isn't, there isn't. It's amazing. It really is amazing, but I guess, we all have to be accountable uh, for what we do and uh, how we run our ministries. 
And I don't know what these people are going to say to the Lord when he asks them, and some of them, and Jesus is going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. That's what he's going to say. Yeah, anyway, let's close. I'm going to close here. Let's listen to uh, Cirillo telling people how to get favor. Today I'm going to share with you how to reverse any negative circumstances that may be undercutting God's favor in your life. We've all encountered negative situations from time to time, whether these were caused by our own actions or not. First Chronicles, the 21st chapter, tells the story of King David and his sin in doing a census to determine the strength of his army, his troops. And even after David was warned this would grieve the Lord, he went ahead and did it anyhow. And God was angry, and he gave David the choice of three different consequences for his transgression. And each of these proposed judgments from God, were they were severe. David chose the option of three days of plague upon the nation. The plague was harsh, was so harsh that in a short time, 70,000 people died. But as the angel of the Lord was about to destroy the city of Jerusalem, the calamity, the famine, the destruction was suddenly averted. How was this harsh tide of judgment turned? And what can we learn from David's example in seeking God's mercy and finding the favor of the Lord once again? God's angel tells David in verse 18 to build an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And David obeys this word of instruction. And in verse 22, he says to Ornan, who owned the threshing floor, give me the site of this threshing floor that I may build an altar to the Lord for the full price you shall give it to me that the plague may be restrained from the people. You know, Ornan tells David, he says, David, you're the king. You can have the land for free. But David refused Ornan's generous offer. You know, that may seem surprising to you, but look at David's explanation in verse 24. He said, no, no, I will surely buy it for the full price, for I will not take what is yours for the Lord or offer a burnt offering which costs me nothing. David's example should be a great lesson for us today. He refused to give an offering to the Lord that cost him nothing. My friend, true worship will always cost us something. Our offerings are seeds, and unless they're precious to us, they'll never be precious to God. He will never be pleased with our leftovers. As David gave his sacrificial offering to the Lord, the plague was suddenly stopped. And we read in verse 27, the Lord commanded the angel to put your sword back into its sheath. Perhaps you're facing a plague of some negative circumstances in your life today. Your plague may not be the kind David faced in 1 Chronicles, but perhaps it's a broken relationship, an illness, a problem with your children, an addiction, or a financial setback. If you're under some kind of attack today like this, I encourage you, follow David's example. Place your sacrificial offering, an offering that costs you something, on God's altar. My friend, God wants to bless you. He wants to cancel any plagues that may have come against your life. And he wants to help you recapture anything the enemy has stolen from you. 
We have prayer ministers here at Inspiration Ministries who would love to agree with you in prayer as you learn to live the powerful promises of God's blessings. To reach our prayer center, click on the Prayer and Praise button at the top of this website's homepage. Scroll down to Prayer Requests. And remember, we're here for you. Till we meet again. <laughs> oh, you're a con artist. Yeah, the person that's benefiting most is you and your family. You tell people that uh, you can't give God leftovers. It's ridiculous. God doesn't want your money. What is he going to do with it anyway? So money is for other people, to bless other people. It's awful. Isn't it awful? I, you, you can't believe it. can't believe it. Anyway, I'm looking at here on... Uh, this ministry watch, Samaritan's Purse, which is Franklin Graham's organization, $800 million in total revenue. $800 million. $800 million. So we, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, or the so-called church, we should be able to really be solving the world's problems, with even without government intervention. But we don't see it. There's a lot of waste uh, there's millions of dollars that are, uh, being spent on traveling and hotels and jets and and uh, things that have nothing to do with helping other people. But anyway, we all have to answer to God for our actions, each and every one of us. So I, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of God than to compromise my values and to compromise my integrity and I think that has to be the heart cry of every true minister of the gospel is we lift up the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what. And uh, we want to bring honor to his name. We want to be a good testimony to the people of the world because pe people in the world, they watch you. They watch what you do. They watch what you say. And they want to see an example of, of what a real Christian is through your life. And so, of course, we're going to make mistakes. Yes, we're going to make mistakes, and, and we're probably going to miss it and sin along the way with uh, different faults that people have. But we can repent and try to do our best as long as we're trying to do our best and that we're being convicted by God of our actions and that we can still be convicted and God can still haunt us with our shortcomings. Any real Christian, we know that, that if we do something we're not supposed to do, God is going to convict us of that. And thank God we can still hear his conviction. Because a lot of these people, they're not hearing conviction anymore. And they've already sold out to the devil and his kingdom. And they don't do things God's way. It's better, it's better to do things the Lord's way. You'll have, be happier. And I feel joy every day that I live. I feel joy that, you know. I got my dryer fixed. My dryer wasn't working for the longest time. I got my dryer fixed. I felt so much joy <laughs> that I had a clothes dryer 
or uh, when you think that there's little things in life that can just give you joy. So, and it's because I know God and I know my life is in God's hands. I, I don't I don't know what the, how some of these people live with themselves. I don't know how they ever have any kind of peace in their life or any kind of contentment, real contentment when they think about their life is it's the whole life is a phony life. It's not even a real life. And then to use the gospel and to use the Lord Jesus Christ to deceive people. It's a te- it's terrible. It's it's got to be lonely and it's got to be sad. But remember, the most important thing today is do you know the Lord Jesus Christ for yourself? Never mind what somebody else did or what somebody else said. God's going to ask you what you did with your life. He's not going to ask you about David Cirillo. He's going to ask you about you. If you don't know the Lord Jesus today, ask him to come into your life. Jesus said in the third chapter of John that ye must be born again. Confess your sins today and ask Jesus to forgive you and ask him to come in and give you a brand new life. He will. Your whole life will change. Confession is made with the mouth unto salvation, the book of Romans says. You'll never regret giving your life to Jesus. He is the Prince of Peace and he is our blessed Savior. God bless you all today. Thanks everybody in the chat room, Rick and Shannon and everybody else that stopped by today. And all my listeners around the world, don't forget you can contact me, Susan, at propheticnews.com. And we'll be back next week. We'll, we'll talk, probably talk about TV Joshua next week, okay? God bless you all. Bye.
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.